Hey everyone, and welcome to the Eagle Community Church of Christ. This is John Gunter. I'm the preaching minister here. We want to thank you for tuning in to our podcast. This week we are, are on chapter 6 of the story. Uh, this is the part of the story where the Israelites are wandering around the desert. And so we make the connection from their wandering to the ways in which we wander. And I talk a lot about how our specific church is now in a kind of in a stage of wandering. We want to be at the end goal of our new location, our new building, but right now we're not there. And so we can't fixate on the destination. We have to be a part of the journey, part of the journey that really shapes us and molds us. So I hope it's encouraging to you. I hope that uh, you'll join us sometime in person. Again, we thank you for listening. Have a good one. Goes out of my own garden. <laughs> But I can certainly wait for that heat. And so I'm stuck in this weird time where I want the next thing to come, but I'm not ready for it completely. <laughs> Which I think is part of our lesson today. Today we continue uh, the story in chapter 6. Uh, last week we talked about a couple of things. We had the, uh, the Ten Commandments given. And as Moses was up on the mountain, remember he was gone for 40 days, and they thought, man, he's old. He hadn't been here in 40 days. He's probably gone. <laughs> and so they created a golden calf. Now, if you ask Aaron, Aaron said, I just collected the gold, threw it in the fire, and out came this calf. Do you believe that? What an amazing story. And so what we talked about last week was kind of how just easily these people would walk away from God, that they experienced so many awesome things, blessings in their lives, yet it didn't take very long for them to attribute those things to something else and to walk completely away from God. And that's a story for us, isn't it? That's the story of Scripture. If you haven't read Scripture, it might be a little shocking, but that it's the, it's the roller coaster ride of life. I feel close to God today, but tomorrow it may be a different story, and I'm sure uh, all of us can relate to that. This chapter was simply titled, Wandering, and it was, it was fun to read to my kids and to go through this, because they always have good questions, questions, a lot of times I can anticipate what the adults will ask. I can almost never anticipate <laughs> what my kids will ask. But one of the things that uh, uh, Evan asked last night was, did you say 40 years? Are you sure it wasn't four? No, son, it was 40. And so what we get in this chapter is, is really a, a lot of events shoved into it. And of course, uh, we know that this is not all of Scripture. It's kind of compressed. And so we get a lot of events in this. But the main one to me is that people are wandering in, de in a desert region for this law. And before we jump to conclusions and point the finger, I want to show you a few pictures. When I went to Israel, one of the coolest things and the hottest thing was an excursion we got to do, or made to do, I don't know. I'll let you be the judge was to go out in the desert, and we were there about an hour, and that was enough. <laughs> and so I'm going to show you just a few pictures from this. 
This is um, kind of southwest Israel. And this is, uh, I can't remember the name of it. It was called the, the Flower of Something. This hill that you see these people walking upon um, right up here is really, really white like sand. And so it's beautiful. Everything else is, is kind of this color. And you see just from, the, uh, just from the picture here how white this is. And the view from the top is amazing. So this is looking backwards. So you saw the backs of the people. If you had turned around, this is what you see. And if you turned the other way, this is what you see. And before you look on this and think, man, what a beautiful picturesque water in the background. I'd like to put a house there. That's the Dead Sea. Not catching any bass out of that. <laughs> Jimbo, you can go put some, uh, some noodles out and stuff like that. Don't need to go check them. This thing is so filled with sediment and uh, so many things that this is one of the things that people do is they go out there and they float. You ever seen a picture of somebody on the Dead Sea? And they go out there and, and most of their body's above the water. Now, I was going to do that, and I got down there and was, I think they had a sign or something that said, hey, this could be, uh, this could cause like heart conditions or something. Like, I'm not getting in that water then. <laughs> As I watch all my friends get into it, I thought, no. I'd rather not die. I'll take a picture of you floating on it. Uh, but it is beautiful. But do you see all of the green, green grass? <laughs> do you see all of the pasture land? Right? So we had this on one side. And back that way is where, uh, uh, when you talk about Kadesh, uh, that's the direction towards Kadesh. Uh, and then, of course, you turn around and you see the Dead Sea. This is a friend of mine, Kyle, who is out on the edge, and John Gunter did not step out there because this is very, very steep. And you'd have probably caught me about there in the water. <laughs> so I was not doing that. Because um, doesn't it look so stable? I mean, I mean really, it's, it's just all there. But some people were brave enough to get the picture. I was not. But that's what, you, that's what you get in this area. In fact, when you get close to Jerusalem, it's one of those places where the, the mountains determine uh, the kind of rainfall and everything. And so uh, on one side, you've got desert, and you have people living in tents, living as if they're nomads, uh, which is interesting. Just a side point here. Um, if you're Muslim... You can still live in this way, and you can just discard your trash anywhere. If you're Jewish and you do it, or anybody else, you get a really big fine. And so a lot of this area is really, really trashy because people are still living in this way. Uh, but on one side, you have desert, and on the other side, if I showed you some more pictures, you would think it is Texas. Lush fields, many things growing. Uh, a lot of times, I, you know, I, of course, I lived in Arkansas at the time. I said, this looks just like Arkansas. It does. But then you get this. And so before we point the finger and we say, how could you complain about this journey? We should at least know it wasn't that great, was it? But as we think about this story, as we think about all the things these people experienced and all the things that God did among them, we have to think about one thing. How in the world did they survive? 
for this long. How in the world do they walk around this rough terrain with animals, with livestock, and live for 40 years? What's the answer, Jared? God. Now, they weren't happy about it. When they picked up the manna every day, they got sick of it, right? Is there anything, now I mentioned the green sauce earlier in, in the announcements. Is there anything that you would want to eat day after day after day after day? You think you would, but probably uh, day four, you're done, right? You're finished with that. And so it's interesting to me, and Heath brought it out in class today, uh, one of the episodes that happen here are the, the people are just tired of this manna, which means, or sounds like, you remember what it is? What is that? Right? That's what it sounds like, and they would use that uh, kind of play on words or play on sounds. But they wanted meat, amen? <laughs> and God, like a parent, and I, I told you last week, it just, it just sounds and feels like sometimes the way I feel late in the evening when I've talked to my boys over and over. So glad Evan's here this morning taking notes. <laughs> And you're just done, right? But God goes to him. He says, you want meat? I'll give you meat. You'll have so much meat, it'll be coming out of your nostrils. And so he actually gives a calculation. God sends these quail or pheasants or whatever these birds were. And it said everyone collected like 10 homers worth. Now, if I did the math right, which possibly I didn't, that's a lot of bird. What I calculated was that is about 90 gallons worth of bird and meat. It's kind of like, I want that, and God said, here you go, and you say, no thanks. I didn't realize what I was in for. And so what we see in this is just constant bickering, right? I want this. God give it to me. God gives it to you. No, I don't want that. That over and over, God supplies, that God is faithful, that he sustains how many people? It said 600,000 men. Did you catch that this week? 600,000 men. So uh, assuming they're not using men like we do, which is all-inclusive, that that could have been a million men, women, children. That God sustains them throughout this hardship, throughout these hard times, hard terrain, but they are still not happy. And as I prepared for that this week, I thought, my goodness, if this is not holding up a mirror to my own life, I don't know what is. Because over and over, God supplies... And I'm not happy with what God has supplied. <laughs> I think the theme of the lesson this week is that God gives and gives and gives and does these miraculous things and they live and are sustained, but because they are not blessed in the way they think they should be blessed, they feel like they've missed out on the blessing. I know there was a lot of blessed and blessings. Did you catch that? But I see other people, or I think about other people and how much they have, and because I 
have that amount, maybe an overwhelming overabundance, and I feel like God forgot to bless me. Is that true for anybody in here? That God has sustained me, that I am living a life, and I have so many blessings, but I compare it to somebody else, and then I think, man, God just overlooked me. And what we see within this episode, within the constant complaining, is what I see in myself a lot of times. I told you last week, I kind of dive into things. Um, Katie tells me I'm, I'm, I'm go big or go home type of thing. I'm all in. But I'm all in a lot of times wanting the end result. I want those tomatoes right now. I do not want Heath. Heath. Heath is going to help me move so much dirt into raised beds. I'm surprised he's, he's still my friend. But we, I don't want to do all that work. I would like to look out tomorrow and they're all done. If y'all want to get together, make that happen, here's your chance. But man, I want the end result, but a lot of times I don't want to go through all that I need to go through to get it. Are you like that? We are like, and they are like, the kids at the back of the vehicle yelling, are we there yet? <laughs> but many of us have lived long enough to know that the best part of the journey is not the destination, it is the journey. And because I want to get to the destination, if I'm so focused on the destination, I miss out on all the blessings and all the things that happen in the journey, right? If you could have a superpower, what would it be? Somebody tell me. I know some of you got imaginations. You think about this. Scott probably wants super speed. He wants to be the flash. Time travel. There you go. He wants to travel when it's time. That's what he wants to do. What is it, son? Amen. Evan said, Evan said teleportation, which I'm glad he said that because that's mine. That is what I would love to have. And in teleportation, you think about this, what teleportation does is eliminate the jerk. In teleportation, we get to miss out on all of that stuff. But as we look at our lives, we know that we may not want the journey, but so many times the journey is exactly what we need. The journey is what shapes us. The journey is what prepares us and makes us appreciate the destination. Because if you just go from beginning to destination, you don't realize how good you have it. And that's what these people were dealing with. Man, I want to get there. Well, follow God. Well, I don't want to do all that. Be faithful to God. Could we make a golden calf? God, we'd like some order around here. Here's some rules. I, I don't like those. Could I get to Canaan's land? Now, Moses, even Moses in the moment, I hope you have some empathy for Moses. Because God comes to Moses and of course, he, he keeps giving and giving and giving and allowing the people to have all this food and water and, and ways to sustain them. 
He tells Moses, okay, we're going to do something great here. What I want you to do is I want you to go and speak to this rock, and water's going to come out. Now, wouldn't you love to have been there for that? And Moses, like John Gunter, I think, probably gritted his teeth a little bit. As he was walking towards the rock, he probably heard some more comments. I mean, his sister even was commenting about him, right? And in that moment, he thought, I'm not going to talk to him. I'm going to hit this rock. And what Moses does in that moment, you think, my goodness, how, how could God keep him from this, this land because of this little episode? But what Moses did is he took the miracle, he took the blessing away from God, and what he made it look like was Moses was the one causing the water to come from the rock because he hit it. Now, if somebody walks up and hits a rock and water comes forth, I'm going to think, okay, he knew water was behind it, you know, made it flow. But if someone comes up and starts speaking to a rock and out comes the water, I know in that moment, though I may want to try and figure it out, okay, God had to be in play here. And that's what we see. And unfortunately, Moses was punished for that. And I said in class, and I hope you, you understand, but a lot of times when we see people punished by God, we kind of think, well, God must have overreacted on this. And uh, if someone is killed, and we'll, we see this in this episode, I mean, a lot of this stuff is like out of movies. You got snakes, basically snakes on a plane. You got people being dropped off at the train depot. You got all kinds of stuff happening here. Plagues. All of these things. But God does not say, and I think sometimes we assume that when he punishes someone, they are straight to hell. You ever thought that? You remember the guy that uh, they weren't supposed to be moving the Ark of the Covenant? And then all of a sudden it starts, it starts tipping, and the guy reaches to steady it, and God did what? Killed him. And we think, my goodness, God is such a harsh God. And I think we assume in our minds that, that God has banished them to the pits of hell. He doesn't say that, does he? But he did have to pay with his life. Because just as we've been reading throughout the story, God said, you can't look on me, you can't be in the presence of God that closely, or you will die. Because again, God can't have sin close to him. And so some of those punishments may seem brutal, but I just want to encourage you that these things don't say, hey, they're, they're gone forever, he lost his salvation somehow that he never has a chance, okay? But when we read this, I think the journey is probably the thing we all don't want, but we all need, that the blessings come from it. And the later it got in the week, the more I thought about our church right now probably feels like we are wondering. We probably feel like I would really like to be at the destination right now. I would like to have a nice manicured entryway off of 565 into our new land and up to a beautiful building with plenty of room where my wife does not have to think about sitting on the front row. <laughs> And all of the things we can do out of it. 
Are you there? I want to be there, right? And I know you do too. And we may feel like we are wondering. And this may not be for everyone, let's be honest. Because what our culture desires, we want it, we want everything right now, right? We want it our way and we want it right now. And a lot of our society, a lot of our culture, a lot of the technological advances we have allow us to do that and kind of spoils us, doesn't it? But what we need in our church is people that are not afraid of the journey. What we need are people that say, okay, God, what are you teaching us right now? Not what are you going to teach us when we get in our building, because, God, we'd like to go ahead and be there. We'd like to be in the promised land that we prayed about, and we think you worked out for it. What we need is a people not afraid of the obstacles that come up, the giants, the things we think might overtake us. We need people that look like Joshua and Caleb. And yes, these things may seem daunting, the time or the finances or whatever else comes up when you're trying to build a building and say, yeah, that's, that's large. But I have faith in God. Did you notice that was the difference this week? Joshua and Caleb did not say, you know what, all of you guys are, are scared, but I'm fit. I've been working out, hitting the gym, anytime fitness. <laughs> and I can take them. That's not what either of them said, was it? Joshua and Caleb were the two that said, we looked on it, and if God wants to bless us, they can't take it. They're not big enough to stand in our way. And that's the attitude our church needs right now. And we need to look at all the hurdles in front of us and say, with God, move out of the way. You can't stop it. And I hope and I pray for people to stand with boldness and courage in these times. I want things, and when, when I moved here, I should have asked more questions like, how quickly is this move going to happen? <laughs> Not looking at anyone. <laughs> It's okay, I didn't need to know that. Because had I known that, well, you nobody knew. We thought we'd be where we are today over a year ago. Nobody knew. And it's the wandering and the wondering. I spelled that for my kids last night, by the way. That kind of gets us. Okay, God, where are you now in this process? Okay, God, I need this. And my needs, which are really wants, outweigh and overshadow all the things that God is doing right now in the here and now. And so one of the things we can do is we can sit here and feel lost all the time. Or you can step up. You can get involved. You can make yourself a part of the process that moves us forward, not because we are strong or we are the best or whatever you bring to the table, but because God is faithful. Because God has answered our prayers. 
I don't know how else to tell you that God has been involved in this other than the story we shared about how this all came about in selling Lakewood. When the lady showed up at the Hispanic church that he said he was preaching and she walked down and said, I believe God wants me to buy you a church. She was not just speaking to them. She was not just giving them a blessing. God was not just working through her to fix or to help or to bless them. He was looking square at all of us. I don't know if that makes you comfortable or uncomfortable or what, but that's what I believe. Is that when God did whatever he did to prompt that woman, he thought about this church. And he thought about what we need and what we can do in this community. But what God didn't say is, I'm going to do it overnight. But you're going to wake up one morning and you're going to drive over and there'll be 11 acres, perfectly manicured, I'm sure. Water fountain. The water fountain, we had not talk about water fountain. I'm just going to keep throwing stuff out and just see. Bo's going to walk out at some point. Going, what? We didn't talk about any of this. But it is the journey. I don't know if you know that we're, we're still supposed to close by the end of this month. We're hoping that happens. It's, it's been out of our hands. We're just waiting, waiting for everything to come through. But to build a building is going to take some extra finance. If you're wondering how this is going to come about, there is no humongous nest egg where we're just going to plop it down and everything's going to happen. Okay. And so this is going to be something that, that really gets into your faith. Do I believe that God will bless me when I give more than I'm used to giving? Do I believe that God will take care of me when I give outside what I'm really comfortable with? We are having a discussion the other night, and I love Valentin because he, he hears a sermon somewhere else, and he's like, John, you got to do this. <laughs> and I'm like, pump the brakes, man. You like it, but everybody else is going to hate it. <laughs> so we ought to talk about giving. And for some reason, I told Valentin, I said, I'd, I'd love to, you know, uh, because I was convicted several years ago through the prompting, really, of my wife that we weren't giving near enough. And I shared, I shared the, uh, the information here just a few weeks ago about how Christians normally give about 2%, 2.3% of their income. What I told Valentin is like, that's fine to talk about giving, but the one thing we in Churches of Christ have been used to is hearing this idea that something like tithing died with Jesus. Now, you can't find that in Scripture, and Jesus says, you know, these things aren't going to pass away. Nothing, not a, not a dot or a tittle is going to pass away from the law other than what has been fulfilled, right? So we're, we don't need sacrifice because Jesus was our sacrifice, right? But somehow we have been raised, well, it, it's not repeated in the New Testament. Well, maybe that's because it was so foundational, nobody even questioned it. Nobody had that question because they knew we give a 10%. My kids are starting uh, their first allowance this week. 
My son has already figured out how much he's going to make a year <laughs> off of his $5 a week allowance. And one of the things we're teaching him, starting right now, starting teaching both of them, is that 10% of that needs to be given. And as you can imagine, young boys, young kids have the same gripes that we adults have. Why? 10%. And then I say, you realize you get to keep, they don't know about taxes yet. <laughs> you get to keep 90%. 90%. You would think that God has asked us to give 90% and we get to keep 10 with our attitude about it. Right? Now, if you're wondering what, what I do with taxes, I think, you know, I don't get those taxes anyway. I can't spend them. Well, I can. And then y'all visit me on Sundays down at the, the prison. <laughs> so I think about it this way. All right, the government's getting what the government's going to get. Jesus says, you give, under, give to Caesar what is Caesar's, right? And so I think, all right, well, 100% is what I get after taxes. That's just me. That's not in Scripture. But that's what I think about. That's the, the money I have the ability to do something with. Okay, does that make sense? And so still, with the money I have the ability to do something with, I get to keep, if I'm tithing, I get to keep 90% of that. And again, my attitude is like it's reversed. One of the things I think is healthy and one of the things I think is right, and I'm sure if we were to be at the time of Jesus and we ask about the, the 10%, they would laugh at us. When Terry and I moved chairs over into this building, there were actually um, giving forms from the other church. And in those forms, my shock you now, hold on, grab your, grab your seat. There was tithing. There was either offering or giving, I can't remember. And then there was special contribution. Some of you is going, Ugh. <laughs> we have had, and, and I'm, not, I'm not making fun of, of, of anyone, but we have had uh, an increase in our building fund. But it seems to be offset in the big fund, you see? So, so what we have been doing, and maybe, maybe not, maybe it just looks that way, is we have been shuffling instead of raising. See what I'm saying? that we still have this same amount, but I've, I've parted it out. And so this looks bigger because I've taken from this. And maybe God is stepping on our toes with these lessons. Maybe God is challenging us to look around and say, quit worrying about the destination. Look at the ways I have blessed you right now. See the way I have provided for you. My boys had a lot of questions about giving. And my encouragement to them was, you have to think about. I said, I said who's going to earn this money? They said, we are. I said, how do you get the health or the energy to do that? Where does that come from? Because often, just like the Israelites, we are so focused on ourselves and what we can do. 
what I believe my ability is and what I bring to the table and maybe even what, if we won't say it out loud, what you owe me because of what I have done. We have forgotten that even our own money is not our own. That when I get that, when I get that cash, it's got John Gunter written on it. That I earned it. I mean, I went through school, right? God gave me the ability. He blessed me with that. And maybe we need to start thinking in those terms a little more. Quit being so selfish. Quit thinking about the circumstances we're in right now. Because I want you to think this morning, what is God trying to teach you right now? We do not have the room we want. We do not have the parking we want. We do not have the size of classrooms that we want. Does that mean we ought to shut down and go home? Does that mean we ought to shut down and go home? No. We press forward with courage and in faith. I hope that we're not just sitting, twiddling our thumbs, waiting for another day, waiting for another time, ignoring the opportunities we have right now. Because I believe God is going to bless this church, and there's going to be a day we look up and go, my goodness, how fast that went. You do that with life all the time, don't you? In the middle of it, it seems like everything's dragging. But how fast that went and how many ways I was blessed. So maybe God is stepping on your toes right now to give you patience. Maybe God is prodding you to step up and start a ministry or to join one or to show up a little early and come to Bible class. <laughs> Sorry, Bo. That we can come and be together and we can encourage one another. It's not just about me or what I think I'm getting out of it. Won't you show up and help someone else? What can I give today? Is it my finances? Is it my encouragement? Is it just my presence to be available, to be a listening ear? To be someone who is seen and is faithful. That I don't, even when I show up, I don't show up just to show up. I show up to be changed by God. So let me encourage you with that. May we do a little less complaining and more worshiping. May we do a little less hoping for the next thing and being content and enjoying the ride that God is giving us right now. <coughs> That's a story I tell my kids all the time. Man, they're ready for the next age. They're ready for the next thing. And as we've talked over and over, that next thing, especially when you get out of mom and daddy's house, nah, no thanks. So learn this lesson. Learn this lesson from a people who learned it the hard way. That our time together in this place may not be for 40 years. Please, Lord, no. <laughs> while we're here, we can make the best of it. I don't see myself as very creative, but I know we have people here that God has blessed with creativity and maybe we need more people to step up and to say, man, there's a lot we can do right now. Bless this community and grow this church. If you have any needs this morning, I'd love to pray with you. I'd love to encourage you. I'd love to walk side by side with you as we walk into this unknown. We don't know the time. We don't know the how, but we do know God. 
to do to our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Don't leave here this morning without making your life right with Him. Would you come as we stand and sing?